Today's podcast is lengthy, but we're excited about it. We go hard on the NFL wildcard round. We're going to pick every game, give you the reasons behind it, and the debatable storylines. Josh Demel has a new movie out. It's with Jennifer Lopez. We're going to ask about working with her and some other stuff. He's a huge Vikings fan, so uh, I don't know that he loves me for the entire 30 minutes. We go deep on life advice as well with this one uh a topic we don't talk about very much we did it once it went really long hopefully people like it i don't know uh kyle is also a writer i didn't know that so that's the tease i might not say anything else and the FanDuel picks contest continues enjoy your weekend and the football this episode is presented to you by lululemon the perfect pants do exist and you can get them at lululemon the men's abc pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics all made to make you look and feel good whether you're in the office at the gym cheering in the stands or just relaxing at home these pants are in a league of their own buy a pair today at lululemon.com this episode is brought to you by Cintas. in sports you're always thinking of the next play it's the same with business Cintas has the products people and solutions that help you keep a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are dedicated service reps who help ensure your team has what you need when you need it. They deliver freshly laundered workwear every week, provide restroom supplies, stock first aid, and safety products. Plus, they'll help test and inspect your fire protection equipment. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Let's do it. Let's pick every playoff game for this weekend. All the lines from FanDuel Sportsbook. We start with Seattle at San Francisco. San Francisco favored by nine and a half as of right now. So the Niners went 2-0 against Seattle this year. A Week 15 win with Purdy as well, 21-13. Here's the number that scares you. Seattle, with 20 possessions on offense this season against that Niners D, has one touchdown. That was the end of the second game late, down 21-6. Seattle's defense on the other side is 25th in DVOA against the run. Um, it actually gets worse because Seattle allows the second most yak. And against San Francisco, that's a huge problem because they're number one in yards after the catch. It gets even worse. San Francisco is number one in pass yards per attempt at tight ends and running backs, something that Seattle does not defend well. Uh, the storyline battle for this one, Shanahan status update. It's beyond legend status. If they go on a deep run, which their defense is fully capable of, depending on which number you want to look at there, strong argument, San Francisco has the number one overall defense against the Seattle offense and a Geno Smith who is has regressed a bit. It's a great story. It's unlikely. We'll get to that in a second. But if Shanahan were to win the NFC, which is a real possibility here, uh, I know I haven't always been the biggest Garoppolo guy in the past. Purdy got off to one of these all-time legendary rookie starts, so I'm still not quite sure if this is what it is. But think about Shanahan in his last four seasons with the Niners. He's gone 42-24 and 24 in the regular season with Jimmy G, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, um, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy as the starters. That's insane shit. I don't want to hear about is Shanahan a good coach from anybody anymore, even if he ends up, you know, look, like everybody in this business, he'll lose his job. And then he'll go somewhere else and he'll be awesome again with your quarterbacks. It's just automatic with him. Uh, he's as much of a lock as there is in coaching in any sport. On the other side, it's kind of the all-time revenge. Now, there's a lot of work to do here for Seattle, but I was wondering this. Would a Seahawks Super Bowl win? Feels pretty unlikely. Would that be a bigger revenge storyline than Brady winning a Super Bowl with Tampa's first year out from New England. Now, I know the first thing you would say is, well, of course it'd be a bigger deal. And I'm talking about revenge on Russell Wilson, who wanted to cook, who wanted to go somewhere else, felt like it was holding him back, all these different things. If he didn't want to leave, they would have gladly kept him. Okay. They would have. But he wanted his way out. He forced the issue. He was hinting at it, then came back and all that stuff. 
if they were to move on from him, get the draft picks, and win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith, I think because of the unlikeliness of it, because of who this team is, and again, I'm not even saying that. I'm not picking them this week, all right? But the unlikeliness of that would be greater than that Tampa team with Tom winning a Super Bowl because it was still going to be a good football team. But I think it's also a little different that Tom was basically said, we don't want you anymore, despite two decades of the all-time resume at the position. So I still favor Tom's revenge story, although still more likely. But again, a lot of work to do there for Seattle. Okay, number two here on the board, Miami at Buffalo. Buffalo favored by 13 and a half. These teams split the regular season. The Bills loss at Miami is one of the most inexplicable losses in NFL history. When you added up what they had done statistically and all the things that went wrong and where they were at and still with this goal line stand from Miami, it was incredible. There was some number where it was like no team had that statistical profile in a game and lost since I think it was the third time since 1953. Then on the other side where Buffalo beats Miami at their place, that was one of the I like to do this every now and then throughout a season, see a team lose and like them even more. And that in that moment, I was like, you know what? I give Miami a lot of credit. We were all sitting around. It was a later game. We were expecting the Bills to just stomp them. And then everybody was going to dump on Miami on their podcast and their TV shows on, on Monday. And I felt like Miami answered a lot of questions about them. The problem is Miami, without Tua, we don't even know what to do with this team. They averaged 25 and a half points per game with Tua, 16.3 without him. Skylar Thompson's average in five yards per attempt uh, in his last two weeks against a Buffalo D that's number five in yards per attempt allowed. The Bills put up 446 yards and 29 first downs against the Dolphins back in week 15. So there's not a lot of statistical stuff here, especially with the Skylar Thompson part of this that makes any sense. As far as the storylines go, it's going to be the Bills and if they face Kansas City again. It has nothing to do with this game, right? Well, I mean, if they were to lose this game, that would mean a lot. You'd start to finally kind of get like the four years in. Started happening to Giannis a little bit where you're like, hey, this is really good, but how good is it? And it's probably still too early to do that to the Bills if they were to lose in the playoffs this year before, say, the Super Bowl. Um, and again, losing to Kansas City would feel like, oh, what's, going, what's wrong? Is this something they can't do when they've now beaten them in the regular season? And again, Cincinnati could be the thing that's waiting for them as well. So the Bills are kind of, if it doesn't go right for them, it would turn into like a macro question of what's wrong with the Bills when in all likelihood there's nothing really wrong with them. They're awesome this year. All their losses were really close. I know Allen had the red zone stuff. I think some of it's on the elbow. Some of it's him believing in his own talent. I actually think if you're really good, some of the red zone mistakes can be a little cyclical anyway. Uh, and some guys make no mistakes because they never challenge any defense on any of their throws anyway. The Miami storyline battle for this one is pretty simple. It's the what about Tua? You thought you had an answer. You probably lied to yourself at certain times, but then with some of the regression, you wonder how much of that is related to health. And now not knowing what you really have going into next season, unfortunately for Dolphins fans, nationally, we're going to do this whole Tua thing all over again next year, week to week. So enjoy. Next game, Giants at the Vikings. Minnesota favored by three. Okay, some numbers. Daniel Jones had 334 yards, his second highest total this season uh, against the Vikings in that Week 16 loss where Minnesota won it on the game-winning field goal 27-24. 
The Giants could also have four full-time defensive uh, rotation guys back here. So some of the practice notes, which is something if you're going to be betting on these games, stay up to date on this stuff. As I was prepping this and trying to figure it out, stuff changes from Thursday until Friday. There's some really important players that aren't going to be playing, that aren't practicing late in the week. Um, or if they are going to be playing, it, it, I don't know if it's rest or that they just felt like, can we get any snaps out of some of these really important players in all of these games? Um, so keep up to date of that once you start betting these games. Uh, because the Giants look like they're going to get real healthy here on defense for the first time in a long time. Now, bad news for Vikings fans. Let's stay on the numbers. Every defensive number for Minnesota is going to bum you out. All right. Uh, they're the worst defense in the playoffs. They they have literally no metric where you go, oh, that's that's maybe going to be a good time. They just don't. It's not on defense. And that's why it's going to be really weird if they lose this game to the Giants. And then it'll fall on Cousins, and Cousins could actually have a decent game because the problem is, as we keep saying here, this Vikings defense is bad. There's also another interesting note here. I got from Barnwell from ESPN. 53 teams have com- have made the playoffs with a negative point differential. All right, both of these teams finished the season with a negative point differential combined for minus nine. Only one team out of those 53 entering the playoffs, again, after a season-long negative point differential, has made the Super Bowl. That is your 2011 New York Giants. Okay. The storyline here is actually the same for both quarterbacks. I'm going to call it the layaway quarterback argument. I don't know how many of you had your mom's TJ Maxx putting pants on layaway in August, getting ready for September, but I imagine it still exists. And boy, was it fun to put stuff on layaway because you kind of didn't buy it, but it was also a bummer as a kid because you didn't get to take it home. And then sometimes your mom forgot to even pick it up. All right, so... If Daniel Jones beats a bad Minnesota defense that gets smoked in the next round, then it's just going to be like, oh, you know, he'll get all this love for a week and then he'll get none. And the same thing happened to Cousins three years ago in the playoffs. One of the more surprising playoff wins I've ever seen is when Cousins beat New Orleans uh, at their place three years ago. And then the next week they lost to San Francisco. And you were like, all right, so all of you people that loved Cousins for a week, now you all don't like him anymore. It's going to happen to both quarterbacks in this one. Don't worry, I will get to the picks. The Chargers at Jacksonville. Jacksonville actually getting two and a half points in this one. All right, let's take a look at the numbers. Uh, Shil Kapadia from the ringer. Great note here. The Chargers one and five with a minus 48 point differential against playoff teams. That's not great. Jacksonville has the better defense. I think I've been saying I like the Chargers talent now for, I don't know, over two decades, maybe less. Uh, the Mike Williams Bosa injuries in week 18 make no sense. So there's a Staley part of the storyline that we'll get to. They didn't need to do that for seeding. Um, Jacksonville's ninth in offensive DVOA. They won in week one against the Chargers, 38-10. to 10. You could talk about Justin Herbert's ribs being part of that. Okay, fine. Again, it was week three, so it was a really long time ago. I'm not quite sure. Uh, the Chargers' defense also gets smoked on big plays, 72 plays of 20 or more yards. That's the third most in the NFL. So there's a lot of statistical stuff. Uh, that's telling you to go to Jacksonville at home and taking those points. The storyline battle for this one is Brandon Staley versus house money for Jacksonville. Staley, because he's different and it doesn't work out, is way worse than being the same and not having it work out. All right? I don't know what's going to happen with him. What he did in week 18 in the Mike Williams injury, the Bosa re-aggregating the injury, again, try to stay up to date with that as much as you can. It just doesn't make any sense. And they're a completely different team with Mike Williams. And Mike Williams is right. He's one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. And honestly, like, again, hey, this guy needs to be talked about more. I think I saw another classic Jalen Brunson needs to be in the MVP conversation in the NBA. Okay, cool. You're going to come in 12th. But he's in the conversation. Happy now? And Jalen Brunson's been 
awesome. Okay. Awesome. He's not winning the MVP. All right. So it's really about Staley and the outcome of this one. And I think a win would be enough for a Chargers franchise that doesn't have a ton of them. But then on the other side for Jacksonville, you want to talk about no pressure? None. Everybody likes all these other teams in the AFC more than you. It's a massive turnaround. Trevor looks like the right guy. Peterson's a terrific coach. So there's so many positives here where even if they lost this game, I don't know that it's going to matter in that city. And I'm not talking specific to Jacksonville. I'm just talking about where the franchise is placed. They're a year away from actually having pressure on them. So that's your storyline battle there. All right, two more games to go. Baltimore at Cincinnati. (laughs) Cincinnati favored by nine and a half. All right, Lamar got hurt in Denver. That was back week 13, December 4th. Baltimore won that game 10-9. They went to 8-4, and and they obviously have not been the same, missing one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Huntley comes in for the third series of that one. So it depends on how you want to look at the records. Are they one and three or two and three? Uh, with Huntley as the guy, all right, we could say two and three, not a big deal. But the offense has averaged only 12 and a half points per game without Lamar. And again, Huntley didn't even play the last week. So Baltimore's leading receivers over this stretch now, their leading receiver for each of these games has been under 60 yards four times. In Huntley's games, five touchdowns in five games. And again, didn't play in week 18. He was throwing at practice on Thursday, but there was some dispute on that one as well. So Baltimore has a major problem. Cincinnati does have issues on the right side of its offensive line. So if you're thinking about taking all those points, maybe that's the part of this that you're talking yourself into. Talent, it's not close. Quarterback, it's not close. Coaching, I don't know how coaching makes up for this big of an issue. So feels like Cincinnati's the pick, but God, that's a ton. It's a, it's a really big number. Um, again, for divisional opponents on top of everything else. The storyline battle in this one, is pretty clear. Cincinnati's easy. They're actually only fifth in Super Bowl odds, plus 750. Um, Although it feels like the public and the media likes them a lot more to maybe not win, but get to the Super Bowl. But they're, yeah, plus plus 750 with four teams in front of them to win the whole thing. The storyline for Baltimore, I think, is a lot more interesting. And it may not even be something, but it'd be a good talk show topic. Is Lamar out more valuable to him in contract negotiations than Lamar healthy and losing a playoff game where he doesn't play well. He has the playoff history that's not great for him. Uh, I think it's been pretty bad. And I think it's okay to say that. Some people don't seem to think it's okay to say that. Uh, I would tell you that, like, look, the reason Lamar hasn't got a deal is because he's asking for a massive, massive number and he's going to wait it out and bet on himself. And then he got hurt. I just wonder, again, out loud, if he were to have a bad playoff game, which is now not possible because he's not playing, would that be worse for his negotiating than just being hurt and being out? He's still going to get paid. It's all a matter of the guaranteed money and how it compares to the more recent absurd guaranteed money. Again, warranted, but let's face it, the guys that got the guaranteed money, none of us have necessarily been happy about that. Okay, final game here. Dallas at Tampa. Tampa getting two and a half at home. Brady threw it 733 times this season at 45 years old. The most passing attempts of all time in a single season in the history of this game. Tampa's 26th in points per drive, though. So they did it a lot. They felt like they had to. They felt like they were one-dimensional. We know the offensive line has been a huge issue. Jensen could be back at center, which even though he was limited in practice, him just being around is a huge positive. Dallas has their own offensive line problems. The statistical matchup in this, though, that I like for Dallas is that, okay, if Tampa's still going to be one-dimensional, 
I don't think they're going to change who they are all of a sudden. And yeah, they're at home. But Dallas is number two in pass rush win rate in the NFL. Philly's number one. Tampa's pass block win rate is 25th. So I know Dak has regressed. I think the offensive line has led to some of the regression from both the running backs. It's also led to, I would think, a little bit with Dak's interception percentage doubling this season. I also think some of the decisions didn't make a ton of sense, but the O-line has not been what you'd expect with the investments that Dallas has put in there. I mean, look, this is a common theme here. There's a lot of O-lines that are banged up after four months of playing the sport. But if you're looking at one thing here that I don't see mentioned much is if Tampa's going to drop back and pass it 45 times in this game, and now maybe they don't have to because they like their defense better. But again, I don't know why they're going to change their offensive profile all of a sudden. Can they hold up when they have not held up? You know, Worf's missed four or five weeks there. And yeah, he's back. But, you know, some of these pass block win rate numbers are with him in the games for a majority of the season anyway. So if you don't pass block well and they rush the passer better than anyone who's not Philadelphia, why is that all going to work out in the playoffs? Okay. Before we get to the picks, let's conclude with this. We told you about the stat last year about first-time quarterbacks against the spread against playoff quarterbacks, right? So last season, we had five quarterbacks making their playoff debut. Burrow and Carr went ahead of each other, so that didn't work out as far as this data. But Kyler, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts all started. They went 0-3, and they went 0-3 against the spread. Going into this year, Quarterbacks with zero playoff experience going up against quarterbacks with playing experience are 14-35-1 against the spread. An awful number. But here's the problem. We've got Herbert against Lawrence. All right, Wash, first time. Purdy against Geno, first time. And then what do you do with Huntley? Because he actually played against Buffalo a couple years ago in the playoffs, and that didn't work out. So let's just worry about that pick on its own. But the numbers are pretty bad here. And here we are when we look at it again, the schedule. Seattle, San Francisco, two first-timers. Los Angeles, Jacksonville, two first-timers. Miami, you add Skylar Thompson in the list here. You've got Daniel Jones, first-time starter against playoff experience. So does that lean Minnesota? Baltimore, Cincinnati just covered Dallas, Tampa, both played. Okay, so here are the picks for the wild card round. Um, I'm not going to take Seattle because Brock Purdy's first time starter, and I'm not picking against against Seattle uh, because Geno's the first. I'm picking because San Francisco's defense is incredible, and Shanahan could probably get to a Super Bowl with anybody. Uh, I don't know that I'd pick Purdy in a Super Bowl against whatever you'd have to face in the AFC. I'm not even sure I'm going to pick him against Philadelphia, but I wouldn't rule out anything with the Niners. So give me the Niners minus nine and a half. Uh, L.A. at Jacksonville. I feel like I got to take Jacksonville in the two and a half here, although I feel like, I don't know, the Chargers are just two in my head. Might want to ignore that one altogether. Give me Jacksonville minus two and a half. Okay, Miami, Buffalo. No one's going to do this. I looked at some of the public money stuff on this one. Again, public bets and public money can be two different things. I'll just take Miami plus 13 and a half because it's a playoff game. The first-time quarterback theory comes into play here with Daniel Jones at Minnesota. So that means give me those nasty Vikings. Give me Kirk Cousins laying the field goal. So the Vikings minus three to play there. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Division game, nine and a half. Could be 10 by kickoff. Who knows? I'll take the Ravens only because you give me all those points at 10. 
nine and a half. And finally, Dallas, Tampa Bay. I gave you my statistical profile for it. It could happen. It could be a major factor or it could have nothing to do with it happens over the course of three and a half hours because you've all seen this shit before. But give me Dallas minus the two and a half at Tampa. Enjoy the games. Check out FanDuel Sportsbook for the latest odds. NFL Wildcard Weekend is here, and the easiest way to get into the playoffs is with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. We now have updated standings, and they're not great. I am at 39%. Kyle's at 38%. So a lot on the line as we head to the playoffs here. Uh, I explained all of my picks, but for the sake of the contest, Kyle, I will keep it at the highest percentage of public money. Cincinnati's getting the most uh, public money on this one. So that means I will take Baltimore. Um, Next up is San Francisco. So for the contest, uh, I'm kind of playing both sides here. Um. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to do that in the same podcast. So let's not deviate from it. So we'll go. We'll go Baltimore because I already had that pick. I'll go San Francisco, even though it's a big public play, almost eighty percent. Um, and damn it, I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of breaking my own rule on trying to do this. But hell, I'm thirty nine percent, so maybe I should. Uh, give me, give me Dallas. Just give me Dallas, even though more of the money is. Uh, you know, that's actually not much of a public play. I just don't want to deviate from what we just did in the 20 minutes in the opening, if you understand what I'm saying, right? I understand it. I'm glad because uh, I'm going to take uh, the Chargers minus 138. No, just just money line, um, like my guy Kyle Van Noy. And I think this could be the last time I get to uh, root for a counted out Brady, and I'm going to pick him uh, bucks plus 112 money line. And if, you're, if, if your thing doesn't work out, that means I'm definitely going to be light years ahead of you in the contest. Down light the years? Light years. Well, seems. at this point, if you're going to make three picks, and if they, you know, I don't know, you're you're making some pretty heavy picks here. Well, I guess really just. Well, three look, I well. don't, I don't know that we ever had a rule on the cap of picks. You know, no, I just we don't. Like trying we to don't. go, you trying to go one and zero. Oh. Yeah, trying to go one and zero oh every week wasn't quite working, and uh, you know, try to <laughs> try to pick it up here. At least that against the spread thing with the new quarterbacks has some good history with it. Um, so I probably should have just, you know, what? Let me throw that one back in there too. Fourth pick, Minnesota. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> <laughs> all right i think i gave out when i tried to catch van pelt at the end i gave out like 24 college basketball picks one night <laughs> that's what i'm hoping Rudy has to do yeah no i think whatever he's missing he has to pick that many games that week in an nba <laughs> thing because we'll keep this going for fan we'll do like you have to pick an underdog once a week in the nba or something like that or we could we could do uh maybe just a player over under something fun whatever um i would I, this, i'm not going to mind losing this because we haven't come up with what the bet will have to be but I kind of expected I was going to be paying for a big dinner anyway. So let's not worry about it. All right. Um, you can get in on this uh, because you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio, so make sure you get into the action with great offers just for you and now throughout January. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued with non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Royal Caribbean. What are you going to do for your next vacation? Beach, island hopping, hiking, a little culture? Choose Royal Caribbean and you can go on all the vacations at once. That's the point. You want to go to Greece? How about they get you there? Everywhere else. I've looked at the Alaska packages. Alaska Inside Package, Alaska Experience Cruise, Vancouver Round Trip, One Way Out of Seattle. They have it all. They make it easier for you with adventure at every stop. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Visit royalcaribbean.com to learn more. Good friend of the podcast, actor, new movie coming up, Shotgun Wedding, Prime Video, January 27th. Uh, I did just watch the trailer this morning. Um, let's start there because I'll, I'll tell you, I, I don't want to get off to a bad foot because there's a football question I want to ask you here fairly soon. Uh, this is one of those trailers where I was like, okay, I think I got this. You, Jennifer Lopez, Shotgun Wedding, little Coolidge appearance. She's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal right now. Love yeah. it. And then it takes quite a twist, quite a twist in this one. This kind of this checks a lot of boxes for you, I think, both romantically and action hero. I yeah, it does, and it's also I'm I'm you know I'm a, as much of a goofball as anything, and and this one is sort of a big sort of broad uh, action comedy, uh, romantic action comedy, mm-hmm. and so it, I love anytime I get a chance to sort of do things that are just way out there, I do it, and I think that. I think that uh, Jason Moore did an amazing job of sort of balancing the, you know, the earnestness and the love story, but also not being afraid to go there as far as some of this crazy action comedy stuff. Yeah. When you're, it's a really hard business, right? Like you probably, I always feel like, you know, life has a way of kind of weeding us all out and in our pursuits of things because things can become so hard. When it's somebody like you and Jennifer Lopez who've now been doing it for a long time, is, is there a chemistry there just born out of whether it's a personal relationship or just the appreciation that you're still putting out major movies um, after so many years in the business? Well, I am definitely uh, grateful and I don't take any of this for granted. Believe me, it is, it is not easy to stay, uh, uh, you know, sustainable in this business because you can come and go quickly. And, and I've had, I've had moments where I thought I was out. But, I, you know, you, you, my, like my manager says, you just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep trying to get better. Uh, and, and that's really what I've done. And I, I try to I've gotten into directing and producing and developing stuff now to just sort of keep my claws in the business. But as far as Jennifer, I knew her for like 15 years on and off. I mean, I'd seen her here and there. So we we're always friendly. So it wasn't like I was meeting J-Lo for the first time. It w- that would have been a lot, you know, because she, she is a force to be reckoned with. and. A, an amazing human but because we had this comfortability from the beginning and our very first we 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 reconnected over zoom right before i decided to do the movie i just said listen this movie is going to be big it's going to be beautiful it's going to be funny it's going to be action-packed but it doesn't work unless you and i trust each other and the audience believes that we are a thing and we are in love and we are wanting to get married because so many times you know they just put two people together because it works on paper. But if you don't have that chemistry, the movie doesn't work, no matter how beautiful the movie is or funny or whatever. So what do you do then? What do you do to try to sell it to us? Like, how do you develop that? Like, what part of that acting lane is it to get us to buy in? Well, first of all, she's not she's she's very easy to connect with, as I hope I am, too. But, I, you know, and, and it's a trust thing, you know. I told her straight up, you go ahead and try whatever you want. You can trust that I'm going to be there for you. 
because this movie's big and it's broad and it's 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 got you know it's got a lot of hijinks and it's absurd. Um, and and in order to make these scenes work, you have to try some stuff that is going to fall flat on its face. And I just told her, you can trust me. Go for it, um, and we'll and we'll find it. And I think that once you know you can trust the other person and you're not going to be sort of judged or, or you know, um, laughed at in some way, uh, you're free to do whatever you want. And that's how you find the good stuff. Um, Jennifer Coolidge's run in White Lotus has been incredible. Uh, it, it's broader, I don't know, to a new audience. Yeah. And I watch some of the, the award stuff, and I, I thought there was like a very constant theme at the Golden Globes where it was like this, it is, it's so hard. And then when you're like, oh, yeah, I have a second act or like I'm still around, mm-hmm. like, the level of appreciation just feels so different. And yeah. just see her be somebody that people are calling again. And even if it's the same role, like no one cares. Um, yeah. It's just fun. It feels like it's a big win for everybody. Yeah, she's and she's such a fascinating woman. She's super sweet. She was super complimentary the entire time we shot this thing. And supportive, and and I've been a fan. I don't know if you remember, but she was the massage girl on Seinfeld back in the day. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh yeah. Remember when I think Kramer had a girlfriend that was a massage a masseuse and Seinfeld. No, it was Jerry, and Jerry was mad that he wasn't getting one, and then he's and that, like, "You're getting it from right." Yeah. And Jerry was trying to convince her, to, and, and that was her. I don't know if you remember knew that, but anyway, she was Stifler's mom. She was all these characters through the years, and it's just continually kind of been able to evolve. And in White Lotus, I started watching the second season last night. It is already just awesome. And she's so good. I, th- I don't think people really, they just see her as this flighty sort of, you know, vapid woman when she's, there's so much more to it than that. And I think that, I think people are recognizing that. She's not just that one character. She is much more than that. And it, when you work with her, and I, <laughs> it's almost like Andy Kaufman in a way, because she's got this thing that she does when she's doing a scene that is so awkward, makes everybody on set awkward. Like, it's, oh, was that, a, that, that's, that was an outtake. We should probably go again. She's like, no, no, that's, that's what I want to do. And then you see it on, on screen. It's like, oh my God, it's brilliant. Because she just she's very good at keeping everybody sort of on their toes, even even on set, as far as her work as an actress. Okay, you said something too that I, I want to revisit, and I, you know I don't I don't know how the rules go for the emotional movie stuff. So you spend as little or as much time as you want on it um, about having moments you thought you were out, right? And you know me, you know I'm a bit of an artsy guy, right? I lean that way with, yeah. with the things I like. Um, I was watching a Colin Farrell movie the other night, and I'm like, this guy is so good. Yeah. Okay. And forever I'm like, okay, this movie, like not really my thing. And then all of a sudden it's like the industry's done with them. Right. It's like, okay, you were this good looking younger dude. Some of these action movies, we try these different things. And then it's like, never mind. And then I saw the lobster, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And he was so funny mm-hmm. by not being funny. And it mm-hmm. was obviously this absurd script. And now that he's kind of doing these other things, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what a, what a mistake early on. Like, God, it, it feels like I get why you're casted a certain way for such a long time and it's still yeah. work and it's great work and it pays yeah. well and it's all those things. But like for somebody like that, I don't know how much you, you must be able to give us much better perspective on like realizing sometimes you kind of just end up in this lane and then there's this second life where it's like, man, he should have been doing stuff like this the whole mm-hmm. time, except he wasn't, it was just never going to happen for him. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, the problem with that is when you, early on in your career, you take what you can get. 
trying to make a name and then may try to make the most of that. And then everybody's always trying to put you in some kind of a box. So most of what you're trying to, what most of your, I guess, uh, initiative as a, as an artist in this business is trying to fight out of whatever box they put you in. Same for me. I mean, I'll, I'll speak. I don't know Colin. Well, I know him a little bit, but I know that he is beloved by everybody that works with him. They just love this dude. He's, he's a really fun, uh, easygoing, likable dude. And, and I think that, you know, that helps the fact that he's super talented helps. Um, he probably fell into a few of the traps that, that, that are hard to avoid in this business early on and was able to sort of stick with it, kept showing up. And, you know, his talent ultimately is what, you know, keeps you alive. And he, and he, and he's got a tremendous amount of talent and you can't, you just can't deny that. Yeah. I guess I think like, because you were nice enough to invite me up for the Bill Lee movie, you know, which was a very kind of indie deal. It was something you wanted to do. We got yeah. to see a completely different side of you where you had to take that on to be like, no, I'm doing this because yeah. the industry wasn't going to go, hey, we're dying to have you yeah. star in this Bill Lee movie. That movie was easily the lowest budget movie I've ever done. Uh, we had no money. And I thought Brett Rapkin did an amazing job on it. Uh, first time director. Uh, and we just, you know, it was like you, my, my dressing room was the backseat of my truck. Uh, our craft services was stuff that we were able to get free from whatever, you know, soda water company was willing to give it to us. You know, we really right. had nothing you had to bring your own lunch. Uh, so that was like, that was one of those that I did purely because I love, I, I love Bill Lee. I love his story. I think he's a fascinating character. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, yeah. for me, it's like I said, I always trying to fight out of whatever box they put me in, try to prove that I can do more than what they think I can. Um, and that was one of those cases. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I was I was both appreciative to get to come up and see it that way. Yeah. And, and obviously the time was we, that was that know. in Manhattan Beach. Where were we? <laughs> You're kidding, right? I don't remember where we where, where did we watch that? No, it was some small theater. It was the actual premiere for it. Uh, right, up in Hollywood. but it was. But wasn't that in Manhattan Beach? No, or? it was like on Sunset somewhere. Huh. It was a viewing. I no, remember it was, see, down, it was down by the ocean somewhere. I can't remember what. I think it might have, might have been Venice. Nope. Nope. I'm pretty sure it was near Sunset because it was like, I just moved here and I'm like, man, I'm going to be doing this stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you moved out from Bristol, right? West Hartford. To be, West Hartford. Okay. Yeah. Not many of us. After a certain paycheck, you're not living in Bristol anymore. Like there actually are a few nice houses there. Did you ever do the tour at Bristol, oh, the car wash? The, the car wash? Oh yeah. yeah. A couple times. You kidding me? I'm the biggest sports fan there is. That would, that to me was like Disneyland. I know. Liam Neeson did it once. He just started swearing. Oh, he did? Yeah. And then that was, that kind of ended that. that uh, it was, it was, a, it was the quick car wash. He got pulled. Lawrence Frank did it as well. Not as famous as Liam Neeson. Um, yeah, I was I was afraid you might cancel on me because uh, I didn't know you texted with Stanford Steve that much. So Stanford Steve, who works on Van Pelt show, yeah, was like, "How often do you talk to Demel?" I was like, "We have this running thing where I'll like occasionally invite him to something once every five or six months, and then he's doing the most interesting thing of all time." And I'll be like, <laughs> "All right, we'll check in later." So I then just ran. We, I just ran with that. You know, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, you know, Uganda, you know, fostering uh, orphan gorillas. Like, yeah, are you okay, are bro. you familiar with enduro racing? 
<laughs> so it just keeps happening because the first couple times it was like I'm cliff jumping in Belize. So I was like, all right, cool. I was like, I was going to see if you wanted to watch the Vikings game. So what we did in this text thread, and I haven't heard from you since, was I was like, hey, a bunch of the guys are in town. Let me know. And you were like, I'm out of the country. So I was like, all right, fine. I go, we, unlike cousins, could audible to Saturday. And then it went ice cold. The whole, the line was dead. For me? Yeah. And then Stanford Steve's like, do not mess with him about the Vikings. So this is the first time. That wasn't that. I probably just didn't see the text or something. You're pretty sensitive about it, though, right? I I mean, is it to be fair? No. I mean, listen, I'm as harsh of of a critic on the Vikings as anybody. Okay. Um, But I also love them. You know, and I feel like this could be the year. We say that every year, but we're not losing games like we did before. These games that we've come back and won, we used to lose. So Kevin O'Connell's got these guys believing. I feel like they've got sort of a winning uh, mentality now that they can actually go out and win these tough games. But then I see us get blown out by the, by the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Packers, and I'm just like, are we good or are we terrible? I can't tell. I think we're good. I think my hope is that we are about to really gel at the right time and make a run. And I love that Tannenbaum and, and, and Kellerman and, and all these guys are just like bagging. All they, all they talk about on ESPN is Giants and everybody but the Vikings. So I like that they're sleeping on them. Everybody's picking the Giants to beat them, I th- and they could. But my gut is that the Vikings are, are gelling as a unit right now. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the Cowboys? Yeah. Is it me or is is Cooper Rush a better quarterback than Dak Prescott? Oh, my gosh. You're eligible for this thing we do worst take. Uh, Worst take? How is that the worst take? What The guy went five for six, had one bad game, and and, 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 and played great. He kept that team. They they played way more winning football than they do with Dak. Um, I think they won games. I don't know that he was awesome. I mean, I'll pull it up here again. I I felt like throughout that, you know, I mean, obviously the Eagles game was a mess. When when did Dak become an elite quarterback? I don't understand. Like all of a sudden, it was like they couldn't. It's not like he's Patrick Mahomes, who who you 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 just your your team is dead without. Look, he had a couple really good games. But I don't think Cooper Rush was somebody that you could rely on. Uh, the DAC conversation, Josh, we're we're kind of on the same page. Like I just did a segment this week where I go, he's going to play 15 years, and I'm still not going to know how I feel about him uh, because there are moments where you feel like he can, you know, he's not going to go to the Mahomes, Allen, Burrow mm. group. Okay, no. he's not going to be in that group. But it felt like at times he was going to be in that second group, and then other times I'm like, maybe he's a guy who just kind of puts up some big numbers. But the one loss thing, I don't know if that's entirely fair to say. Like, hey, Cooper was was that much better? He stayed clean, other than the Eagles game. He didn't turn the football over. Dak's yeah, having some exactly. issues here. Um, at this point I, in the season, though, I feel like the Cowboys have a better chance with Cooper than they do with Dak. I think Dak is a liability for them right now. Really somebody do. else said that. I forget who it was. Was you it? Go with was somebody it who's not going to lose a game for you? You know, they got enough playmakers there that. I don't know. It's just, I'm surprised nobody talks about it. Like they just forget has, what he though. did. You're not the first, somebody brought it up while it was happening. I I don't want to blame somebody else for it, but I think it might've been like Phil Sims saying, or was it his kid, Chris Sims, who's always a little, he'll be, he's willing to stir it up a bit where he was like, you're not going to see much of a drop off. So somebody agrees with you out there. I, 
I think Cooper over 16, 17 games would, would prove to be a lesser quarterback. Maybe. You might be right. But I've seen uh, every game I've seen him in, he's been solid and doesn't make mistakes, especially right now. Those, those, okay, those so, interceptions will kill him. You're right. The Dak stuff at the end of the season has been like, even the Texans game they won, I couldn't believe. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, yeah. You're this backed up. So would a Viking Super Bowl mean more to you than any sporting achievement as a fan? Is that the number one thing for you, or is there something above that? As, as a fan, what do I want in sports more than anything? Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be that would be easily the number one thing. I'm just so tired of my Packer fan friends, yeah, talking shit about how oh one two three four whatever however many they have. Look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoreboard. I'm like, I just want one before I die, Ryan. Just one. Everybody, especially a fan base like the Vikings and the history and kind of being the Bills before it was the Bills. Yeah. Vikings fans deserve one. Like I no so. question. Yeah. I would I have massive, you know, non I have non biased fan sympathy for that the for the Vikings group. I really well, do. I appreciate that. I think we what do you think? Do you think there's a chance we could win it this no. year? No. <laughs> I don't think they're that good. I just don't. I think you're you right. They found the you know what it is? It's our defense. That defense, I just feel like we give up too many yards, too many points. I also think Cousins is just capable of a disastrous game. I don't know yeah. that he'll stay clean as a wild card. Well, team he's kind of like Dak in that way. I don't think I don't see Dak winning a Super Bowl. I don't think there's certain quarterbacks you can see doing it, and I don't see him or Cousins. Sadly, I mean, I hope I'm wrong because I got to say, Cousins been balling this year. He has. No, he's, he's, he's been, been different. He's been a different quarterback. He's won games in the clutch. You know, he's been pretty damn good. The clutch stuff is incredible. They're, they've won all these games, which tells you one of two things. Like, as you were talking about it, it goes, hey, it proves that they can fight through this stuff and win these close ones. And then others would argue the law of averages tell you <laughs> that the, this is, this is your, like your luck's going to run out right. at some point. I'd rather have this. You know, I'd rather have this. But some maybe of the they start blowing just, people out. I'm, 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 guess, I'm, I'm hoping they get aggressive on defense, gel as an offense, and just start blowing people out. All right. Anyway, uh, what else you want to talk about? I want to talk about being in your your other movie. Um, oh yeah. Right. So maybe you tee it up. You okay, explain so, what it is. So without giving too much of the movie away, uh, Buddy Games Two we just finished uh, in August and just delivered it to Paramount. And it is uh, a, 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 a story about this group of guys who, who loses one of their brothers. Dak, Dak Shepard's character dies at the opening of the movie. And these guys are at his funeral. And, and sort of to open the movie, or just to go a little further, the movie then becomes about, they end up, they end up fleeing the church with the urn after the family was going to do something with it they didn't agree with and it becomes this whole melee and they flee the, they flee the church and go off in this helicopter and don't know what the hell they're going to do next end up in the middle of spring break and you can imagine what ensues from there uh but as far as what you helped us with in this movie there you know Dak Shepard's character was a he was a, a an up and coming actor in Hollywood and uh, died uh, tragically in a stunt gone wrong. And so I, I went to all my friends in the business, me, the media business, you being one of them, to give me a soundbite of this actor's tragic and sudden death. And you delivered 
<laughs> big time. I was like, Ryan, would you do this? You're like, hell yeah. Next day you send me this stuff and it's fantastic. I was, uh, I was really happy to help, first of all. I don't all, know why you great. wore the Blue Jays hat, though. Why the Blue Jays? Now I got to blur that out. Oh, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> God, that's stupid. I didn't even think, because I didn't know that you were using the video. I was like, there's no way they're going to use the video for oh, this yeah, just off of my Zoom. Your beautiful mind is right there. And it's in it. So I, I, you know, you gave me kind of an outline of what to do. I freelanced a bit. You seemed to like it. So I felt good about that. But the funny thing is I told somebody that, you know, I'm close with was like, yeah, you know, Josh Numel, you know, he, he was nice enough to ask me to do this thing. And they, they were so confused. They're like, well, what does it mean? I was like, well, what it means is I guess I'm going to be in the movie. Like I didn't, I expected it, you know, it'll probably get cut or whatever. It was nice. He asked. And then I was like, I guess it's going to be in. And then here's the funny part is like, well, what does that mean? Like, it only means that I'm going to be in this one little scene. Like, yeah, but then what? Like, there is no then what. <laughs> There's no story arc. There's no story arc. Not yet. No, Maybe yeah, next one. Maybe next one. I don't need headshots. This isn't, it's not a big deal. It's a nice favor that he asked. And now it'll be funny for anybody that sees it. That'll be yeah. like, wait, is Rosillo in this? Yeah. I didn't realize the Blue Jays hat, though. That's a huge screw up because you don't have clearance for that. Ah, right? That's easy. We can, we can just blur it out. But uh, it was, uh, it was a good, you did a really good job of teeing up the movie, you know? You, Dan Patrick, Ryan Seacrest, uh, a number of people came and, and, and did me that favor. And, and believe me, it really helped sort of set the movie up in a beautiful way. And I appreciate it, man. The joke I make is about method acting. So I'll ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever decided I'm going all in on this? Uh, yeah. I mean, not mm, mostly because I didn't know how else to do it. I was a young actor and I still have to do it sometimes. If I have to go to a place that's really dark, like there's a couple times in my career I've had to go real dark and I don't know how to do it unless I like really put myself there, like really live in that space for however long you're shooting that scene or scenes or whatever. And so I've ha had to do it. And that's why I thought what you said was so funny because you do bum everybody else out of the <laughs> set. You go to this place and your energy just sort of emanates throughout the set and you're like this dark, like brooding, living in this, this, this weird sort of place. And, uh, I've had to do it and it's not fun, but weirdly cathartic in a way, because you're having to put yourself in mental places that you'd never otherwise go to. So it's exhausting, but it's also kind of, uh, it's kind of therapeutic, I guess, in a weird way. You better be pretty high up on the call sheet, I imagine, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't want to come in there. Yeah. Like, this guy's not even in the scene, and he yeah. sucks to be around. Like, <laughs> what are you doing today? He's got one line. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta be up there. And, it's, and it, it's, it is a bummer. It is a bummer for both you and everybody else you're working with. But So what did you do? Did you stay out late? You eat bad? Like, how would you try to find a way to trick your mind into to being this different person? Well, for example, one of them was on Jupiter's Legacy, a show that I did on Netflix last year, the year before. Uh, the character was going crazy. He, went, he, he, he witnessed his father jumping off the roof of this building. Uh, started having these these visions and and these things that were coming to him. He didn't know what they meant. He just started going. He's becoming obsessed about this and losing it, literally losing his mind. And in order for me to go there, I had to just like live in this alternate sort of reality for a few episodes. 
it wasn't just a day or two. It was a while. And, he, and I was able to snap out of it a little bit when I went home, but you never really snap out of it. It takes you a bit. And uh, yeah, it was probably not a lot of fun to be around for those whatever amount of days. We need to get you involved with White Lotus season three. God damn, that's a good show. I've never heard audio used that way with a television show. You know, you mean? The, the music, the way yeah. they they weave it in and out at the yeah. most unexpected times. And I, I think that like, there's a million things I love about it, but the sound editing yeah. is unlike anything I've ever heard. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Mike White's, he's brilliant. Yeah. It was cool for him to, you know, have all these people be so happy about what yeah. he was able to do, bring it back. But I'm just trying to think about your role on it. Cause obviously I spent a lot of my free time thinking about you roles. What could we do? Uh, <laughs> You're like my agent. You're like my shadow agent. <laughs> hey man, I'm really excited. Um, and I'm telling you when I, I was like, Oh, it'll rom, you know, real rom-com with J Lo guys back in the scene. And then Why I was not, like, Nope. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But then I was like, this is, this goes for it. This really goes yeah, for it. It really does. Uh, a great writing and directing resume involved with this one too. When I was kind of yeah. looking up some of the stuff. So yeah, Jason Moore's a talented guy for sure. And then the song with the trailer, that was bringing back memories too. You know, late last call. In your eyes, colored and wonderful. I, I know. How are you not in a bad mood? I, can't, I mean, the, the lyrics are a, a, a matrix of whatever. I can't even. I, we had to learn those for that, for that, that song. And it, it took me a while. I, don't I think tonally you were right there, though. That sounded pretty good. So now, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you were I'm in key and everything. threat, right? Shotgun Wedding, Prime Video, January 27th. Uh, our good friend, Josh Chanel. Thanks, man. Thanks. Talk soon. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Cintas. In sports, you're always thinking of that next play. It's the same with business. Cintas has the products, people, and solutions that help keep you a step ahead. And your Cintas MVPs are the dedicated service reps who help make sure your team has what you need when you need it. They really got you covered. Cintas has workwear and apparel for almost any job imaginable. They have styles that are durable, comfortable, and great looking, and they'll deliver fresh uniforms back to your business every week. They'll deliver floor mats and restroom products and stock your essential cleaning supplies. They provide first aid supplies, safety training, and life-saving AED defibrillators. And then they'll even test and inspect your fire extinguishers, fire protection systems, and emergency exit lights. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. The email address is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Kyle, excited. I'm excited for you this weekend, buddy. Excited for you. Me too. There's no Patriots football. That would have driven me to smoke a lot more than uh, than non-Patriots football will. So that'll be good. Okay, so I'm going to share with you and anybody else um, 
everybody's raving about this book by Alan Carr called The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. Oh, um, I'm just telling you, like a, a bunch of people chimed in and said it was great. And they okay. said, although it feels a little uh, culty at times, which, you know, if you don't go full blown cult, could that be considered a compliment? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. You know? <laughs> you know, like it's it's a delicate line until then it's like full blown cult and you know, you're, you're filing <laughs> you're like, no, this is a business. Like, okay. Um, all right. So, <laughs> all right. There's a book. I'll, I'll read a book. Great. I, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that you need that. I mean, the fact that you only started rationalizing potentially keeping bar cigs around after six beers and then you made it through it six beers in and then didn't smoke. Like I'm pretty impressed, man. Stayed home yesterday. Didn't smoke either. So Friday we'll okay. see. We'll see. All right. Okay. I, I, we get a lot of these as Kyle knows, and I appreciate you sending them to me. There's a massive amount of, <laughs> I don't I wouldn't even call it guilt. I don't feel guilty. I just, I don't like frauds and I feel a bit fraudulent. Anybody, when anybody asks me about the screenwriting part of this, because clearly for me, it, it is not gone uh, as well as I thought it would, which is fine. Cause I wasn't like expecting it to be super easy. Um, but I've, I've, I've gotten, I felt like I've gotten close and, and then you don't, and then you start all over again. And that's kind of what it is. Uh, and so even I would say like somebody like me, who I knew at least had some contacts and I wasn't starting from nowhere. Uh, it doesn't really fucking matter. You either have to be like a gifted, gifted, brilliant person writing the thing that people would want to make. Cause when you think about what goes into, a bunch of people deciding, yes, we want to make your thing and we want to spend the money and the time and the resources. And if it's a film, like a year plus and a TV show, multiple years, all the people that are involved in that for your idea on the pages to then translate to multiple decision makers saying, this is what we want to do. Like, think about what that is, right? So um, we got an email here on this and I'll, I'll do a little bit more. But like I said, I I'm not really the person to ask. I can just tell you, you know, about my experience without pretending I think that I, I have any of the answers. Uh, but I can tell you how hard it is because it is very hard. So anyway, 6'2", 180, 45 years old, married to teenagers, former college football player from the Midwest. About 10 years ago, I started the process of learning how to write screenplays. Uh, at that time, my job was unfulfilling. I was just binging shows and playing NCAA football, RIP. Every night after my family went to bed, my life felt really small. Hey, man, I know the feeling. Uh, sans teenagers. But, you know, after a while, you're kind of like, this is all you're going to fucking do, you know? And honestly, if some people can be at peace with going, hey, this is kind of my little escape and this is what I want to do. And my life, for the most part, is really pretty good. And I don't need this other challenge. Uh, I respect that as well. You know, there's some real peace in that. I am not why I'm wired the complete opposite. I mean, during this rainstorm here in L.A., I was like, I'm going to throw in a movie in the middle of the day and watch it. And I made it like 15 minutes. Yeah, you might like, as well sign up for Frolic in the middle of the day for you. I mean, <laughs> you were going to go yeah, crazy I was like, I can't. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. I can't. You need to keep working on whatever it is you're trying to work on. You Some need to be more productive. So anyway, uh, I, I totally get where this guy's coming from. All right. So I also began to question my chances of ever having a sort of meaningful legacy. Now we're talking. Uh, by the way, I was listening to Sideways podcast with Rewatchables. Rewatchables podcast on Sideways. Uh, Sideways meant very little to me when I was younger. It meant a ton to me as I got older. 
Uh, and I, I think that some of us have this weird thing of like, have I done anything that great uh, outside of you know raising a family and making sure my kids, their heads are on straight, right? Uh, so our guy continues, I've always loved writing the creative process of storytelling. It seemed like a solid medium to create something finite, so I just dove in. I've never taken any classes, just a ton of trial and error and reading and research. And despite the lack of formal training, I don't think I suck at it. I've written 10 plus screenplays, teleplays across multiple genres, each steadily improving in terms of story structure and character development. Writing is a hobby and I have no grand illusions of fortune and fame, but it is also a passion. And just like sports or training, when you put in your time and energy into something you're passionate about, you want to see an outcome, even if it's rejection failure. So I have three basic industry questions. All right. This is where my I'm going to answer them. But you're not talking to somebody that's day to day in this all the time. It's just my, kind of my in and out experience of the world so far. Uh, one is what are the realistic odds I ever get anything optioned or sold given that I live 2000 miles away and have minimal industry connections? I would say your odds are very, very low. Um, number two, what's the most effective platform for me to get scripts seen or read by industry insiders? The blacklist blacklist is this list. Uh, other people can speak to it better than I can about like the best scripts that haven't been made. I don't even know how to get on it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, number three, is it even possible to make headway in this industry without an agent? I can't fathom trying to get anything made without an agent. All right. So my journey was, you know, I had a massive advantage because I had this talk show resume. I was on ESPN every day for, you know, the 15 years I was there and the 10 years that I was basically, you know, the afternoon person, almost 10 years, right? I'm trying to do the math. Yeah, like 09 through 17. So I, I knew I wanted to write. I wrote a script. I was lucky enough to have a couple of friends that were in the industry that had told me forever, don't ever send me any of your stuff. I don't want to read it. It's, it's, it's going to suck. And I'm going to have to tell you how much it sucks. But the thing about me is that I'm told I suck every single day because of this job. So I've become pretty desensitized to it. You know, like it's just part of the gig. You told you fucking the worst, right? No matter what you do. So I was like, look, you telling me I'm good when I'm not is way worse than you telling me I suck when I do suck. And they kind of liked that. And I was like, and then a couple of guys were like, look, you've given me so much uh, content that I've enjoyed. I can at least read some of your stuff. So the first couple of scripts, well, excuse me, the first thing that I started working on that I was working on towards the end of ESPN, like I already knew I wanted to leave ESPN at the end of 17. Things had not been working out for a long time. I felt really creatively uh, unchallenged. And this is something I probably had rather have done when I first got on the air in 2002. I would have rather written because I just think it's, I don't know. It just meant more to me. But then I I dabbled a little. I sucked. And then I didn't write forever. And it was always gnawing at me. So when I finally sat down to write the script, I was going to do, re, you know, really heavy drama, love triangle thing, uh, Martha's Vineyard, off season, write what you know, that kind of shit. And uh, I sent it to two people and they were like, this is horrible. Don't leave ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to be really artsy too, I... <laughs> I went to Equinox Resort in Manchester, Vermont, and I like locked myself in a room for however many days it took to finalize this first script that I wrote. And I was like, no. I'm going to be really cool, right? Yeah, Kyle. Kyle gets it. Like, you know, little go for a little hike in the morning, you know, maybe a little workout. And then I was there Thanksgiving by myself. I ate a chicken Caesar salad Thanksgiving night from the restaurant. And I was like, I'm going to be this guy, right? And so 
to get it done. And when you get it done in the beginning, all you want to do is have somebody read it. You're like, I'm fucking awesome. I actually did it. I finished <laughs> the wow script. these motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, man, look out. I should probably start getting apartments now. And <laughs> the guys that did it were like, this is dog shit. <laughs> like, it's so bad. It's stupid. There's no structure. Um, it's boring as fuck. Like, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Killed it. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, too, because I think like two years later, I mistakenly sent that script from all the work that I've done. I sent it to a studio or a producer and the guy was like, dude, I kind of like that one. I was like, wow. All right. I'm like, you know, and that's the other thing you have to understand. It is it can be very subjective, but these people were right. And so I listened to what they said. I listened to their notes. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's there's one person that's involved in this that meant a lot to me. It was becoming a close friend. And, you know, we don't really talk anymore. Um which is, you know, sucks, but, uh, I listened to what they said and I was like, okay, let me now make adjustments and let me try something completely new and different. And I wanted to be really dark, right? Like I wanted to stand out. So I wrote this other thing and the feedback that I got was, I can't believe the person that wrote the first one wrote the second one. Like it's, it's, so now I'm like, okay, now I'm good. It only took me two scripts. I'm good. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was, like, that's just not how it works, right? Because even if I had written something amazing, I'm a guy with no credits who has a successful podcast. And then it's like, okay, well, where does the story exist anywhere? Where's the IP, which is a huge thing, right? Like, I remember one of the first projects I'd ever tried to work on that we didn't, that I didn't write and somebody else wrote, and then he pitched it all. And to be, to be kind, he was awful at pitching. That's me being nice. And... You know, they kept being like, where's the IP? Where's it? Where's the true story? Like, and, and then when you're just like, no, I just made it up out of nowhere. And then you have no resume. It's like, fucking beat it. <laughs> awesome, dude. <laughs> right. And I wasn't even pitching it. So then I just kept writing. It was like, look, it's like working out or anything else. Just keep writing. Just keep writing stuff. So then I was like, okay, now I have a new idea for a script. So then I wrote that one. I sent it to somebody and they were like, hey, this is pretty good. Never going to be made. Like out of thin air, you're just making up these stories and these ideas based on nothing. And I was like, yep, okay, fine. So then I adapted a book that was optioned and we had a partnership with a major uh, production company with a really famous dude. And then I went to that and I was pitching my own script to somebody that we had already partnered with, which was weird. And then I realized the person I was pitching to had never even read the script. So I was like, wait, this is weird. And then that enters into, and it's not even specific to Hollywood. It just feels Hollywood. It can be a little extra. Like I had one meeting at one of the premium cable networks I had just gotten here, scheduled 30 minutes, meeting goes two plus hours. We basically fall in love with each other in the meeting. The person is telling me, I wish we could just kind of hire you as like a side umbrella thing just to have you in-house and do all these things. We're making plans for that week. I do a follow-up email because this person is really important. I do a follow-up email being like, hey, send over the scripts. Let me know what you need, what you're thinking, and then how we can like keep building towards some relationship where we feel like there's a good fit. I haven't heard from that guy in four plus years. <laughs> that was it. The meeting went unbelievably well, and then it was over, and I've never heard from the person since, which is a big part. So, you know, if you're easily discouraged, none of that stuff's going to happen. Um, so then I wrote something else that was based on something that I knew that was taken a lot more seriously. I wrote two movies. Uh, one is based on a true story that nobody knows about that I researched and traveled and interviewed all the participants because I know who they are. Um, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, 
but I'm not going to share it here because, you know, they never shared it and they were nice enough to, to tell me their story and, and write the script. And people were like, eh, I don't know. I'm also a little slow in developing stuff. You know, now when I've been writing, I watch other people and I'm like, okay, you know, five minutes in now I know what the conflict is, or at least what the first conflict is. And I'm, I'm slower to get there. Uh, so the point of me telling you all this stuff is that I actually have a couple good things that people like and are like, these both could be made. But I have no resume. I haven't been in a room. And I think people would think maybe because of the stature of the podcast that I would expect to run a show and be a showrunner, which I'm like, I have to tell people, I would never fucking expect somebody to just give me the keys and be like, run it now when you've never even been in a room in the first place. Like it's, it's likely not going to work unless you're just a a unicorn of a person. And I've not expected to, to be, you know, given those conditions, but you know, a lot of the meetings would turn into me going and then it was a massive bait and switch. And then at the very end, they'd tell me about their podcast network they were launching and if I could help them. And so I'd be like, all right, so the first 45 minutes, like none of this was even close. So, um, the point of me telling you all of this is that it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It's bordering on maddening because you're like, wait, this has turned into the most expensive hobby I've ever had because I've spent this many hours doing all this stuff. But at its core, I really love writing. I just still really love it. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not discouraged. I'm just disappointed at times. And so if you're not built for that and I have advantages, man, and it's amounted to pretty much nothing. And I wish I had never told anybody because, uh, I just should have shut the fuck up, but I did it because I was putting all this pressure on myself because I'm better if I put pressure on myself. So, uh, those are my lessons. It'll work out at some point. It will. Uh, and I'm not even mad about the stuff that doesn't work out. Seriously. I'm not. It's just like, okay, lesson learned on this one and, and then keep it moving and try to figure it out. But, um, like I said, there's a couple things that I've done that I've gotten the right feedback from people that actually matter. You know, agents are going to tell you you're good at everything. They just, it's impossible for them to be like, Hey, this sucks. So I think there was a time in the past too, where I thought like, man, if these agents think that I'm really good at all this stuff, then I must be really good. And it's like, nah, we just kind of want your sports commission, you know? And that's, that's happened in the past where I was like, Oh, you didn't even really give me a chance. Like this wasn't really about this. This is about something else. And you have to go through those lessons to, to understand it. But, um, you know, if you're not completely discouraged by this now, I just don't know how you do it without an agent. I have an agent. I have connections. I live here. Uh, I also need to be a better writer. That's very clear. So I'll pick up books. I'll sift through them again. I mean, shit, have you even thought about going to grad school for it? I mean, like, you know, you did just try to do this kind of like self-taught and then you kind of went backwards when I had one writing assignment, so I did get paid for one thing. And it was really weird because the studio was like, we're going to pay you for this thing. Here's how much we're going to pay you. Here's the assignment. This is what it's going to be. Oh, and we're never making it. Good luck. And I was like, all right, that's like fucking a fun weird. exercise. <laughs> yeah. It, it was almost like continuing education for an adult. So I, I did it. And the funny thing is they made me do like homework assignment stuff. Like you have to have this done by this point. Okay character outlines do here first season outline do here third season you know whatever storylines like you don't have to plot out every episode but and the funniest thing is is once i did all the exercises that i never wanted to do because i was like i just want to get down and fucking write like let's go uh i did it by the book 
because I had to, because I was being paid. And it really was kind of funny that it was like, I would tell people like, I can't do anything. Like I'm, I have this thing due Monday. And they're like, what do you mean by due? Deadline, yeah. Bro. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, do, do like I, it's due. It has to be like, I got an email at Monday morning. And they're like, this sounds like it sucks. And I was like, I don't look at it that way. I think it's an awesome opportunity. Anyway, doing it that way with all those steps, Kyle, it was the easiest script I've ever written because I actually did all the work ahead of time. So I was like, wow, actually, this makes it a lot easier. And I'm glad I learned this. Um, the other thing that I've, I've learned, too, is that as soon as I would finish something when I was younger, again, younger, it's only like four years ago when I started doing this, I couldn't wait to have somebody established read it. And now I don't want, I never think I'm done. And that can be a paralyzing thing, too is that you just edit and edit and edit. And like when you finish your first script, 60 pages, you know, two hour feature, 120 pages, you're, you're like, oh, I can't wait. To, you know, now I'm like, yeah, okay, sit on it. Don't look at it for a month and a half longer and then go back. Like, don't edit this every day. Give yourself a break from it, then go back and edit it. And then I think getting better as a writer means you kind of never think you're done, which is actually probably more haunting than never being able to start. Um, I trampled you there a bit, Kyle. So I, I apologize. I just want to finish that thought. I know that went forever. Just like the first 30 pages of one script I wrote where they were like, what's the fucking point of this thing? I wrote a show once. Did you? Yeah. I thought, it, I thought it went pretty well. It was about my, okay. year. it was my Models uh, melting pot year when I got kicked out of school and just moved to the worst part of Poughkeepsie for like a year. Um, I wrote it when I first got out here and then I kind of stopped cause I got busier uh, but I did like a whole season. I don't know what season two would have been. But then my roommate stole my laptop like two years ago. So it's just gone. I thought it was I thought it was really good, though. And, you know, when, I, when you had that one guy on who was just like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that one time in your life that everyone thinks is so crazy. It's not. So it's like probably good. I never did anything with it, but I had a good time writing with it and I wowed myself. So I'm glad I never had to go anywhere with it and pretend. So uh, it was just uh, it was a good time. It's gone, though. Lost to the world. OK, so you you wrote every episode of a season. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess it would be like 12 or something. It was just that year. I was just kind of parachuted into like, you know, the tough, worst part of Poughkeepsie, hanging out with parolees, had two jobs, like shitty jobs, taking the bus to work, whatever. Uh, and then I just went back to school. So I didn't know what season two would be. But I was like, well, it's out, it's out there. I got it. I even bought Final Draft. That was a loss because uh, I don't know how to get back into it now that the Hey, by the way, gone. Final Draft, their customer service is incredible. So if you oh, call perhaps. them. No, no, dude. I mean, anytime I've had a change over a laptop or anything, and you think, oh, this is going to be the worst. Like trying to figure out how to get Microsoft Word. Like I can't, I've got like three fake emails for accounts just to try to get it. Like my original buy doesn't work all the time. And then the guy almost gives up and there's some security code that doesn't make any sense. And you all, we all have to do it, right? Because when I'm doing notes, I'll just do it that way. But if you call Final Draft and say, hey, here's the email, here's the account, whatever, they go out of their way. There's like a real person. He calls like, you hey, back. Like, this is Final Mark just following up, making sure you got everything. That's no, I'm great. serious. Final Draft has honestly the best customer service of anything like that that I've ever used before. And yeah, like when I buy it, it's in at first it's expensive. And, you know, that curse is just staring at you. And you're like, all right, what if I make it? What if I make it? Not night, but like the sun is going down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are words. Those are words. Right. And then be like, all right, Dave, suit, 40s. And then it's like, no, 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 no. 
uh, off the rack suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that really, <laughs> you know. I'm proud of you. I had no idea. An entire season. You were yeah. like, look, if I get to pitch this, I'm going to let them know we're good to go on all 12 episodes today. Yeah, I was writing it during my first job at the uh, as a PA. And I told, because there was a lot of desk time. And I, I told my manager, I was like, what are you doing over there? I was like, because I guess I just looked like I was vigorously typing emails all day. I was like, oh, I'm just writing a show. She was like, you can't tell anybody you're doing that. This is company time. So shout out to my first job out here. Um, that was cool. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll get it back. And then maybe uh, I'll have to send you something if I get it. And then you can send it to your people. And then we'll we'll just take this thing off the ground and just run with it. What's the elevator pitch? Uh, see, I don't have one. See, we could work that out. We can work that out. I don't have one. Yeah. I told you what it is. It's like I, you know, I got kicked out of school and then I just kind of parachuted into this crazy situation and then just sort of extracted myself out of it a year later. Um, it was just, you know, all stuff covered in the first episode. Yeah, it sounds annoying, but it's a lot like NBA comps with players. Like when a guy's in the draft, you're like, who does he remind you of? And I hate doing those because I feel like players are different. But if you can't do that with your show, definitely can't. You know, and I, I kind of resist it, you know, to be like, oh, it's like a whale, but hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all I think of is is just stupid ones whenever somebody's like, hey, you need to come up with a log line for this. And then I'll come up with five that I think are hilarious and they're wrong. And then he's like, yeah, th- what, who are you trying to make laugh here? Because this is fucking stupid. Like, I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Let me let me. But you actually need that shit. You need to be able to describe it very quickly. Like well, in a sentence. Maybe if I look two. at it one more time, I'll be able to. So final draft customer service. I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you. I- I had no idea that you were 12 episodes deep into a season. You can't give us anything like what it was about you, I imagine. Just yeah, it was it was me and like just me and my buddy, Polly Piff. And we just kind of moved to the worst part of Poughkeepsie. And he did a bunch of bad stuff. And uh, I kind of did bad stuff, too. And I was trying to work at my, these two jobs. And, you know, we got tangled up in a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I just kind of left and, and he kind of left. And um, yeah, I just kind of finished school. And then I moved out here. But uh yeah, it was just uh, it was a crazy time with a lot of stories, and uh, you know, working two two jobs like that, um, hanging around that type of area is just a lot of stuff comes out. It was like this is probably a season. I don't know what it is, so whatever. See if I can get it back. Coming at your final draft customer support. I love hearing this. I had, I, I mean, you surprise me every single week, but this is this was a real moment of clarity for me. <laughs> I I love hearing that. You know, I think it's great. And anybody who who decides I want to try to continue to do some of this creative stuff. So, so that one took forever, but like, I would never tell anybody, Hey, you can't do it. Okay. Cause I've had so many people tell me all the things I can't fucking do that. I ended up doing, I'd be like, all right, whatever. So, I mean, if you really want this, you start the process, right? You start the process of planting those seeds to figure out if they're going to grow into anything. All right. The same way how I got started in this business was I just started writing letters to everybody, teams, studios. I mean, it was embarrassing shit, but I had to do something that made me feel good about making any kind of progress. So if I were you and I would, I would start looking up agents and they're all going to want to blow you off if you have nothing to sell. Okay. But there might be one. I would find writing magazines. I would go to Barnes and Noble and just sit there and sift through all of them, subscribe to a few of them. Hell, let's keep print in business. Uh, limitless paper in a paperless world. So let's, you know, there are, if you decided, hey, I actually want to try to find, to connect with anybody. And by the way, I know people send me stuff all the time. I'm not your guy. I'm having a hard enough time with my stuff. So you send me your stuff and like you want feedback from me. 
I'm not even qualified to give you the feedback. So I'm not doing it to be a dick. I'm doing it to waste that step for you because you're gonna, it's not gonna work. Cause I, you know, again, I can't get my own shit done. So I would, if you became determined enough, I would just start researching like how all of this stuff exists. You know, all of this stuff exists on as far as like educating yourself on how it all works. But yeah, if you don't live in LA and you don't know anybody and you don't have any connections to any kind of agents, you're going to have to work actually way harder at all that stuff than the writing. And that's big. The biggest lesson for me has been the writing is actually the easiest part. <laughs> they don't tell you that the writing is the easiest part. Do you think sending letters is a good way, a viable option anymore? Somebody sent a letter to Frolic Group was actually addressed to me. Um, and I thought it was like, I got freaked out. I just, uh, the random letter. I think now that, now that, uh, like all the digital communication options, I just, my, my brain goes like, is there anything in here that's going to hurt me? Um, so maybe the, I just was wondering if the, if you think the days of sending letters to try to get your foot in the door somewhere are just over, has that like turned to like, what the fuck is in that letter? By the way, thank you for sending that guy. It's a, it was a wedding invite. I'm not going to make it, but thanks for doing that. Interesting story. Uh, I would think a letter gives you an advantage now, but maybe I'm just, you know, I'm just saying if you got a letter to your mailbox instead of your email box and you and it just was like a handwritten letter from a guy you didn't know, would you be like, what the fuck is inside here? I mean, the, the going and showing up to my address thing, which has happened a bunch of times, um, you know, it hasn't really been a problem. You know, there was one night where I thought it was going to be a problem, but, <laughs> uh, I, I, but I'm not that person. I'm not, look, I'm not an agent. Okay. If I'm an agent, I have an office somewhere. There is right. a way to get That's in touch for. with me. I mean, it's likely, you know, emails. I knew this person that was able to just guess everybody's emails, like wherever they were. It's a great guy to know. No, but they, once they told me how they did it, I was like, how are you emailing with this person? And it was like, actually, it's pretty easy because everybody's their name dot name at the place they work. And I was like, are you serious? Or like first initial dot name or first name yeah. dot last initial. It's just like try I mean, three or four times. You there's only, only a couple. So co yeah, there's only a couple combinations. And then this person was constantly like emailing with these people at these major places. <laughs> the next thing you know, like the other person was sort of tricked into thinking that, oh, I guess I must know this person at some point. What I'm telling you is that, uh, you know, I've, I've told the story a little bit in the past, but like I was really, really down on myself 20 years ago. Okay. I was fucking mad at everybody and really the only person I should have been mad at was myself because I was looking at it going, Hey, this isn't going to fucking work out, man. You're going to be like, you know, and I, I don't mean to talk down about any, anyone, you know, I was unhappy with my situation. Maybe other people are happier in their situation. I was very unhappy and it was great that I was unhappy because I cared. Right? I didn't know that at the time because it fucking sucked. Every day you're like, I suck. It's miserable. I'm going to be a fucking loser. Like, I can't believe you're actually going to be one of these fucking guys. Like, you're going to be the guy in the friend group that's the fucking loser. Like, this is getting weird, man. Like, you're actually going to be this guy. And I didn't do shit to change it until I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take, I couldn't handle like the direction that I was on, which was the greatest thing ever that I felt that way. It was, it was, it was fuel. So even though I was bummed out, I was holding myself to a standard. So, you know, I'd read Shampoo Planet when I was in college from Douglas Copeland. And I've mentioned this before. I think it was, I think it was his first book. I think it was before Gen X. And, 
the main character just wrote all these letters. He would just, he was smart, but he was kind of lost. And he would write these letters to these different corporations asking him for work, essentially. And that's how he landed the job. And I mean, I know this sounds really stupid, but that's what I did. I would find an address for an HR for a baseball team, a basketball team, a football team, a hockey team. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck I would have done with hockey, but I was like, whatever. Then it was minor league baseball teams. It was studios that I would look up. And this is like early internet days. So it wasn't always the easiest to get all this stuff. Right. I, would, I would hire, <laughs> excuse me, I would subscribe to these fucking scam websites that would supposedly like use use this this technology to to post <laughs> jobs right there was this one place i'll never forget called jobs and sports i think i paid 45 dollars a month for it oh my and God. all it was doing was finding anything that was classified anywhere else and then by the time they had it go through their search filter the job was never fucking available it was never it was already done but like their scam was Let's just keep loading up things that look like real opportunities. And I'm sure, look, I'm sure some people got some jobs from it, but that's pretty fucking expensive. But I had to be doing something all the time, not eight hours a day, but, you know, I had to end each week going, did you do fucking anything to change your situation? Did you do anything? And once I started, even if these things weren't working out, I was at least, I felt like I was doing something and it was changing everything. So the reason I even tell that lesson, which I've told, I think one other time, is that uh, there's, there's always a path to kind of going like, all right, I have no chance I'm writing and I'm, I don't know anyone and I'm not even close to LA or New York. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, I mean, what do you want out of it? Like, it, it might be actually kind of fun, you know? It also might be incredibly discouraging. And you know, it's kind of up to you uh, how discouraged you allow yourself to be. So, all right. That was a, should we just do a normal one here? Yeah, let's, a, let's get back to normal. Let's come back to earth. Yeah, did I lose you a bit on that last one? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm equipped. We get, this. we've probably had a few hundred that ask that. And I, yeah. like I said, I don't. It's been a I've while. I've done so nothing. Yeah, I've done nothing to to be the person that's going to go, all right, we're doing writing advice here, but I can give you that version of it. You know? Yeah. I feel like the last two times we've even talked about it, you've had like a, a professional writer <laughs> with you. So, uh, yeah, I'd say you're pretty conservative about it. I hope so. I, you know, I would never want to come off as somebody that has it all figured out. That's just done nothing of note. Right. All right. Um, There's a lot of a lot of trip advice stuff here coming in lately, folks. I'm just gonna say it's we are not Yelp. Sorry. Yeah, YouTube right. probably be able to get you caught up on whatever you're curious about. A lot of YouTube. I just you know, you know, I mean like that's a whole separate podcast. That's a whole separate business plan. Trip advice. Um, all right, here we go. Iceland rent a car. There you go. <laughs> Five eight one seventy three thirty two years old, athletic, but a little squishier than I used to be. Allow me to set the scene. I have a wife of four plus years who I love very much. Nine month old daughter who just started walking is the best kid ever. Wow, cool. that's a high ranking. That kids, this is the guy <laughs> who has the best kid ever. Good for you, man. We should just. No, I know. 
Um, that's great, man. My wife and I are going skiing, snowboarding in West Virginia next week. And unfortunately it's supposed to rain some while we're there, which sucks because, uh, I've come to expect it living in the Southeast. It's seven 30 and I'm enjoying a post dinner glass of red and watching Marquette Yukon while playing with our daughter. When my wife asks if we can run to Cabela's to buy her rain jacket for the trip, I oblige and we head over, uh, before they close and she pick one, picks one out. Oh, okay. So I got it. So they're heading to this thing. She needs a rain jacket. Let's go to Cabela's. Everybody loves going to Cabela's, uh, at seven 30. It's right. You know, you're trying to get there before last call in the hunting world. Um, <laughs> but this guy's got a glass of red going. He's watching Mark at UConn. So not ideal to ask him to do that. But a good guy who says, well, yeah, let's get right. it. Let's get right on it. <laughs> she just, good guy. she not drive. <laughs> Right. Yeah, eh, so, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's not a ton of awareness for the partner. I'd love to know uh, how that would go the other way around. He's like, "Hey, I wanted to go get a putter before Dick's closes. Is there any chance <laughs> we can go in the middle of this fucking Harry Megan content?" <laughs> Does a guy even ask? No, probably not. Just saying, just saying. And by the way, Harry, you know, somebody get this fucking kid a mirror. <laughs> All time low approval. You know, like. like- Things have worked out, dude. <laughs> I'm just point. pissy. I, yeah, That's I'm just a great pissy point. About, pissy about the Markle thing still. All right. On the way home, she asked if we can stop at a Publix because she wants to make an ice cream run. Never want to turn down some Bluebell vanilla. I say, sure, and drop her off at the door. She hops out, and I say, see you in a second. Ah, big problem. <laughs> I select a spot with a good vantage point of the entrance to ensure a quick retrieval. 30 minutes later, I'm still waiting for her to emerge from the <laughs> store. 30 minutes. Please. My daughter is getting increasingly antsy in her car seat, anticipating this to be a two-minute pop-in ice cream run, and slightly annoyed that I'm not eating ice cream on the couch, watching the Big East upset. I reached out to my wife. After no response to a text and call to her phone, I called her work cell phone, and she answered. Oh, my God. She ignored the first two. My opening questions, relatively playful but slightly impatient. Are you okay? Did you get lost in there? How much ice cream did you buy? Was met with, quote, I'm checking out. Be out in a second. When she gets to the car, I see she's got like eight bags of groceries in her hands. While I appreciate her grocery shopping, I would have loved a heads up that she was doing more than just buying ice cream. So I would have known how long to expect to wait. With that knowledge, I would have happily waited the 30 minutes of the car. I would have taken our daughter into the store to shop yeah, as well. Split up, cover more ground. Right. When I shared that opinion with her, she got upset and told me I was unappreciative and way out of line for being impatient. I added the emphasis on the way out of line because I'm kind of slowly losing my patience. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> right. Was I wrong to give her a hard time? In my experience, ice cream runs should be about five minutes tops. This is one example of a larger issue. My wife is late to all caps. Everything. I love being early or at least on time to things, but in the seven years we've been together, I've suffered through being late to get together's church dinners, and especially when we try and leave for trips. I'm a very patient guy, and I try to be helpful to speed up the readying process, but no matter my efforts, we're always late. It's something we've talked about a lot and we're working on, but I think I harbor some resentment when I'm just expected to wait on her at all times, which yes. she, when she came out in the ice cream run incident. I love her very much, but are there any strategies I could use to try to speed her up so we can be on time? Passive, aggressive, and petty tactics very much on the table, Kyle. Uh, she was 26 late, 26 minutes late to our first date, and I was five minutes early, so I guess I should have known what to expect. Thanks. <laughs> love the pod. Okay. Dude, this uh, drives me nuts every day of my life. I'm an on-time person. You get a late one? I'm, I'm going to marry a late person. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. So, I mean, dude, I, I don't have any advice. I'm fed up and... uh 
I don't know. There's nothing like it, saying stuff doesn't help. Trying to help so that you get out on time doesn't help. People who are late people are just determined to be fucking late. Sorry for cursing. I think I did pretty well this pod without cursing, but this is driving me uh, nuts just thinking about it. Um, I'm late for everything. I'm late to stuff with Bill. I'm late to stuff with my mom who hates that. You know, when we're, when we like go back East and you know, it's a 20 minute drive. I said, we're going to be over there. And it's like 20 minutes after we should have left. And I'm like, you know, my mom's six foot two and scary and very punctual. And there's just, I'm not late, but she makes me late. But then you can't be like, when it's your family, you don't want to be like, yeah, sorry. She made us late again. Cause then she looks at you and like, that's not worth it for the rest of your night. So it's just you end up you end up being lumped in with the late person too. So I don't know. You should work. I'd work on your excuses because you're just going to be late, guy. You're just going to be late places. <laughs> I mean, no matter how early you try to get a, a a move on things, you know, it's almost like they could sniff it out that you're like trying to make them on time, and they'll find a different way to be late. It's unbelievable, but uh, I don't know what to say, man. Yeah, other than you're going to lose. You know, when we did the rant <laughs> yes. about the the planners, you know, trying to fight the non planners. Yes. It's just you yes. don't they're your kryptonite. You're never gonna win. Um, I mean, it sounds like this guy's even more intense where he's like, I like to be early. Um, uh, if this is the only issue in your marriage, it's an awesome one. If this is the worst one, right? But it does suck. So I, I'd like I'd like to think I'm a pretty on time person for two reasons. One, I think when you worked in radio every day, all you did was stare at this clock. Hey, right. three hours until the show starts. Two hours until the show starts. Okay, we got to have our prep done here. We're taping an interview here. Back and if in you 90 gonna, seconds. <laughs> yeah, right. And then every every break, you're on the clock. So that definitely trained me to be, I, I'd like to think I'm pretty punctual every now and then, especially like the LA part of it. Every now and then there'll be a moment where you can't. But for the most part, I know because it's a selfish thing to do. Like if you always are late and you're, everybody else is waiting on you, like the arrogance to think that it's okay if you do it all the fucking time um, it's really fucking annoying. And I've worked with some people that you're just always late and you just, you know, you're the late people don't realize how much everyone around them is like, fuck you for thinking you're the one that's important <laughs> enough to be able to do this. And like uh, you, Kyle, trying to swear a little bit less, not going to guarantee any results here. Uh, this type of stuff gets me going though. I don't know. No, it's, it's cause I've, I've dealt with it. And you know, the other part of like framing, you have to wonder, okay, what happens in somebody's upbringing to think that they should be late or why they should always be on time, right? Like one could be intense parroting, but for me and like all of our siblings, like my parents did plenty of things right. When it came to picking us up, they were the fucking worst. We were always the last people. <laughs> you would call from the payphone to be like, hey, yeah. did you leave yet? <laughs> and now you got, you know, a junior high coach who's not married, who's talking a little too close to you and a picnic table outside. And you're like, what the fuck's going on here? And you're, you know, it happened to, my sister and I were talking about it. We're like, it was, we actually didn't even realize how bad it was until we became older to go. You never left the house on time to be there ready to pick us up when it was time to pick us up. Like when practice ended, that's when you left and every other kid is getting picked up. And your stupid math was that, oh, now we'll leave. And it was nonstop. It, thank God, you know, I got to the vineyard uh, in high school where even in the winter, you were lucky enough you could just hitchhike back then. Um, well, I mean, you still can because it's kind of like this weird Not vibe going thing. On, yeah. yeah, right. Martha's Vineyard, like, where are they going to take me? The other town, you know? <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I, we, we, are, we feel for you here. I've tried a couple things. I've had two uh, girlfriends in the past that couldn't help themselves. I mean, one comes to mind. We almost missed the entire first half of an NBA game 
then almost Dude. then definitely missed like late showing up to the show. Uh, there was a lunch scheduled where we didn't leave. We were supposed to go to lunch at two. We didn't leave the house until four. Um, so the, what I did was I tried, I was like, Hey, this is not going to happen. I'm like, I can't do this. You know, like you look great. And it, you know, the counter was, I'm trying to look great for you. Don't you understand it? I was like, good is fine. We don't have to get to <laughs> great. We're going to lunch. Great. <laughs> right. Good is fine. Shirt shoes. We're just going to lunch. And so I tried one time. I was so sick of it. That one time I just said, fuck it. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to check into the bathroom. I'm not going to say, <laughs> hey, we need to get going. I was like, I'm just going to ride it out. We got a reservation. There's no way we're making it. And <laughs> yeah, I go, I'm just going to sit here. And I normally wouldn't do this, but I was like, I'm just going to drink Coors Lights and watch basketball. And I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this moment and see what happens. And it went on for like two and a half hours. Didn't even come close to making the reservation. And she came out. You're hammered. The, <laughs> 12 cords lights. 12 would be a lot in two and a half hours. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I'm sitting there and I've got this big smile on my face because I was like, I didn't want, I decided I wasn't going to fight it. I was going to not press the issue. I wasn't going to say anything. We had missed the reservation by almost two hours. And what are you she still getting like, ready for? <laughs> she's like, well, do you think, you know, we could call? I go, that's, that ship has sailed. That's not happening. She's like, well, now what? I was like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Take that's where I wanted to eat. I'm like, I'm not going to eat. I said, like, we go downstairs and have a glass of wine. I go, but I'm not, I'm not going out now. I'm not going out. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? What do I mean? I go, that's it. You knew the dinner reservation was at 730. It's like 940 now. You didn't care. So I was just going to let you do your thing. You did your thing, and now we're not going to go to dinner. You kind of broke her brain a little bit. Right. So <laughs> awesome. Like, what did you, at what moment did you think any of this was going to work out? She's like, well, I thought you were fine with it because, you you know, we could get in later or whatever. And I was like, no, I, there's not going to be a we're going to get in <laughs> What do you think? Late. I'm Henry Hill. We're going to the fucking yeah, the right. bathroom. Like Place is fucking closed, I think. So it's not, it's not happening and cool. And that was my way of trying to be like, you got ready, you did all this stuff, and you never cared. And now there's gonna there's needs to be some sort of consequence that nothing's gonna happen. And so uh that didn't work and we broke up. <laughs> she was like, he's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. Even though she psychotically is will sit in front of a mirror for two hours and then be like, All right, so what what do we do now? Well, I'm this ready, is so we'll worse though. This is worse. I had basketball and course lights. You were in a car in a parking lot for 30 minutes with a nine-month-old yeah. <laughs> in the back. And she doesn't get that that would suck. Like, that's a real problem. Now, I would say, try to do it to her. Hey, do you mind if we stop off real quick at CVS and just walk around in circles for 40 <laughs> minutes? I agree. I'm, I second that. You've got it. So your only tactics are to let her be so late you don't say anything and then you miss the event or then to try to do it back to her to have her experience it and see what it's like. Um, and they're both probably not going to work because I do feel like chronically late people are just wired a little different. There also could be something going on with her, the distraction thing of where, you know, I have somebody that I'm I'm friends with that if if I'm not, 
Like if, if they go downstairs, be like, all right, hold on real quick. And then it's like 10 minutes later and you're just kind of like, what the, what are you doing? And <laughs> that person, you know, I think some of us are wired a certain way where it's not just that we're easily distracted. It's that we kind of go somewhere else. And it's, it's like, oh, wait, I was just started rummaging through this. Like, we don't have to like, I have to take care of the recycling. I got my keys in my hand. Like, let's, yeah. let's fucking oh, yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. That's mine like, too. Well, so I think you have to sometimes be a little accepting of those moments. But in this case, to, I think it's really fucked up, man, that she would leave you in a car with a nine-month-old after saying, I'm just running in to get ice cream. And then it's your fault for not being appreciative of her deciding to just go full-blown grocery shopping and not telling you. That's pretty selfish. And so, I, I you know, those are the two things I would come up with to try to figure it out but it's i don't know that this ever really works out um i'm gonna try both of those things as well thank you brian yeah like make a reservation set it up let her do her thing don't ask her once don't remind her say okay all right fine and she'll blow the reservation the moment will pass and you just be like oh sorry yeah we can't go now like we're too late (laughs) i love it i love it okay that'd be good all right good luck with that one Thanks to Kyle. <laughs> Thanks to all the listeners. Enjoy an awesome weekend of football. Ryan Russell Podcast. Bring your Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.